Amen, amen. Can you all hear me all right? Great. Isn't it good on this beautiful sunny day to come together and worship God? You know, this Bible course has been great in many ways. If you're a visitor, we've been doing the Bible course over the last few months. And we've also been doing it in our small groups, which has been great because we've skimmed through the Bible, but there was so much getting a good overview of the whole thing. We looked at the Old Testament, and God, the Creator, God, the I Am Yahweh, and God, the Savior, working through the Old Testament. That's such an important part of what God was doing through the Old Testament, through His people. And last week, we looked at the Gospels, and the week before, Chris brought alive so many important points. And in some ways, we looked at God the Son, active in the world. And now, we have got to Acts, a great book. Somebody described Acts as God the Holy Spirit ministering through the disciples, through his people, through each one who believes in Jesus Christ. And that's such an important aspect because even Jesus himself said, unless I go back to the Father, then the Holy Spirit won't come. In many ways, the Holy Spirit did come in the Old Testament. It touched a few lives, like David. But now, the Holy Spirit is available to everybody who believes in Jesus Christ. Can we have some of those words coming up? That would be great. And so, in many ways, Jesus was saying, we need the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, in Luke 4, if you go and read it, it talks about as soon as Jesus was baptized, he was filled, filled, and, and the word there is filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened to him? He was sent in the desert. But he came back in the dunamis, power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes through the difficult times, the power of God comes. You know, they say that the fastest growing church is the persecuted church. Sometimes through those difficult times, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, that when I had the tough times, those are the times I held on to God more. And the Holy Spirit is a real gentleman. According to Jesus, he's going to point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is wanting what is best for us. You know, I often say the Holy Spirit convicts us of the wrong things. And in Lent, Lord, convict me of the things I need to put right. He never condemns us. He never says, Ralph, you are no good, you are useless. But he says, Ralph, let me show you a better way to live. Let me show you a way that will be pleasing to many people. In those hard times, he carries us through those difficult times. And Jesus, as we heard read in that first reading from Acts 1, said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Such an important picture. 
My grandfather, the chief rabbi Solomon Malka, in his book, if you want to look at it, you're welcome to look at it afterwards, says something important. He's looking at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and he says, Genesis 1 says God rested on the seventh day and did nothing. But in Genesis 2, it says God, on the seventh day, breathed into man. And he says this. The question is answered by the fact that the body devoid of the spirit is liable to decomposition it is only the presence of the Spirit that prevents disintegration. What actually happened is that creation was in fact completed at the end of the sixth day. But it was only when the Sabbath arrived that Ruach HaKodesh, Ru, breath, high, life, Kodesh, holy, the Holy Spirit, which brings life. And every Jew, whenever we said Ruach HaKodesh, would say, Lachaim, to life in all its fullness. It was only when the Sabbath arrived that Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, was instilled in man. I think he's absolutely right. Without the Holy Spirit, we decompose, we disintegrate, we are nothing. In fact, I know many churches who says, no, we can't have the Holy Spirit. It's too tough for us. And they never grow. So, Jesus wanted us to know the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he will send the Holy Spirit. And so, if we go to the next bit, in that reading from Acts 1, he said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait till he comes to touch you. And in John it says, uh, uh, John the Baptist says, I rejoice you with water, sorry, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The more we seek the Lord, the more he fills us with his Holy Spirit. But the timing is God's timing. But there are wonderful promises from Jesus, aren't there? Can we have the third point? They're quite important promises. He promises that you will receive power, the dunamis power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to each one of us as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. As we believe in Jesus, we are baptized fully in the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is, you shall be my witnesses. The, the Greek word there is beautiful. It says, eseste, which means uh, you will be. Not that you may, but you will definitely be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you will become martyrs, witnesses, ready to proclaim the truth of the gospel in every way. And those promises were fulfilled in Acts 2. Wonderful promises in Acts 2. If we can go on to the next uh, slide, please. Oh, yes. Witnesses were in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
You can change it to Merleypool, UK, and the whole earth. Not great, wonderful. So let's go to the next one. So the Holy Spirit came just as Jesus promised. And the writer, Luke, is struggling to present what his people saw. And he said it was like fire, tongues of fire on people's heads. In one conference, a man thought he saw tongues of fire on people's head. He took a picture, and that's the result of the picture. Presence of God. I'd love to see tongues of fire on all your heads from here. I'd definitely take a picture, wouldn't you? <laughs> and you know, fire represents the presence of God. Many years ago, when I was with my nephew and we were discussing the Old Testament in many ways, we, we ended up looking at the word man and woman in Hebrew. And the words are sheen, yeshua, yesh, or ish, and isha. Ish for man and isha for woman. And in the center of that word is sheen, the letter sheen, which looks a bit like the letter W. And it represents fire. And the fire of God in man is what it's about. And the fire came on the disciples and comes on us, but we carry on. They were given gifts and they ended up talking in glossolalia. Now, we are told in the Old Testament that man wanted to do things his own way. So in Babel, God confused the language. Here, in Acts, they are given the heavenly language which will speak to people. The heavenly language that will bring revelation of who Jesus is. The heavenly language that will help us in our prayers. The heavenly language that would speak to us when we need it. When I was in Trinity College, uh, Bristol, studying for the theology degree, I ended up in my final year struggling whether I want to, to even go forward to be ordained. I didn't feel I was good enough. You know, none of us are, are we? But he that is in us is good enough. So I wrote to my tutor, Peter Williams, I'm not sure I will progress to being ordained. And then I went off for a conference with David Gillett over Easter, and we came to Poole. Believe it or not, St. Mary's Longfleet, not far from here. And in that conference, I was asked to do a number of things, to lead a small group, and then to lead one of the big events in the week. Well, I led the small group. It went well. It was quite a big one. We were with a couple called Ray and Pam Farden. Anybody knows them? They're, they lived here for a long time. And uh, when we finished, I said we should pray together, Ray and Pam, myself, and the two other uh, Trinity College students. And uh, we prayed for everybody, but nobody prayed for me. Ah, oh, come on. There I was, feeling awful. Nobody prayed for me. And they all got up. And then I suddenly felt the Lord saying, ask for prayers. So I said, will you pray for me? Because I'm doing this big meeting in, later in the week. Ray stood up and said, no, I've got a word in tongues. And he started speaking Sudanese Arabic. 
I could not believe it because I was brought up in Khartoum, Sudan. Arabic was my first language. He was saying things like, You are from the blood of Abraham. God has called you. God wants you to be ordained. By then, I was flat on the floor. I often think, why would God overrule and bring a language for me to confirm my call. I walked in, Helen came to me and said, Peter's been trying to get hold of you to say, no, no, you're meant to go forward, forward. And I said, that's all right, God already told me in Sudanese Arabic, <laughs> read that. <laughs> These things happen today. This is not just something that happened in Acts. These things happen today. They were given courage, and that's what we need, that courage. So, Finally, we come to the transformation. The early church. So let's move over to the early church. Acts 2, 42 to 47. There is so much there. I want to look at what I call the seven Ps. Each one is so important. They were preaching. They were devoted to them. Do you know, we are so blessed to have Micah Zalvika, such a great preacher. I always take a nugget out of his preaching. There's always something I find really helpful when he preaches. And I pray that we will all be receiving something from his teaching. But you know what? It's not just preaching in the front. We can all preach the gospel, the good news into the world. And sometimes we can use words. As somebody once said, People should see Jesus in us, and it can be so attractive that they want to follow him too. So that's your first P. Let's have the second P. Prayer. Prayer is coming into God's presence, and as I often say, when you're in God's presence, remember you've got two ears and one mouth. That means you must listen twice as much as you talk to him. Let him talk to you. That's what prayer is. Know his heartbeat. Know his will. Know what he wants from us. I want to encourage you to come to dwell on Sunday night. It's such a wonderful place just to be here worshiping God together. There's something really powerful in coming to dwell. So I want to encourage you to pray. That's another element that's important in every church. Then we go on to the powerful miracles, the signs and wonders. And there have been many, many miracles I've seen over the years. Miracles of people who got their hearing back. Helen prayed for someone in New Wine and she got her hearing that night. She said, for the first time I could hear the cattle whistle in the caravan. We can tell you many stories of healing of the little girl who was 18 months and was told she was going to die. We laid hands on her, we prayed for her, and she, and she lived. And then there was, she was told she will never walk because of the damage to her brain. Well, we prayed for that, and a few months later, she ran to me and hugged me. That's the God I know. We can tell you of other miracles that have happened. A, a funny story. My deputy warden in Baston Hill, Shrewsbury, came to me knocking on the door one day. He said, we've been to the doctors. They got married a lot later in their life. And his wife was married previously. She had all the tests that she, because she wanted a child and she couldn't have a child. 
And the doctor said to them, he said, I'm sorry, it will take a miracle for her to be pregnant. She's 42 now, and all the tests show she can't be pregnant. So he said, I know someone who would pray for miracles. So he looked at me and said, pray for her. Okay. <laughs> so I brought them in, sat them down. I said, look, we'll pray, but let God do what he wants. And as I was praying, I just saw this incredible picture of a little baby in her arms. And all I could pray at that point was, Lord, what I've seen in the heavenly, let it happen on earth. We'd love to see that. Well, a few weeks later, Helen will probably tell you the exact number of weeks, we got an email. She got pregnant that night. A few weeks later, he came knocking on our door, and he handed us the scan, the scan of the first of the baby. And now she's a teenager, beautiful teenager. Isn't God good? Listen, obey, let him produce the miracles. And then we need to partake. We need fellowship. We need to eat together. We need to have fun together. Do you know, I, I was leading a church plant not far from here in Kinson. And it was in the middle of an estate. And I used to visit people. And this lady said to me, she said, what happens down there when you meet? I said, well, we worship God. We meet with God. No, it can't be. I said, why not? I said, it's church. She said, can't be. I said, why not? She said, you all come out smiling. I said, well, if you spend time with God, wouldn't you come out smiling? Gina, let's enjoy being together, worshiping God, partaking, and being in that fellowship. Let's move on to the next P, persecution. In those times, we need each other's support. The story of Stephen in Acts 7, being stoned into your hands, I commit my spirit, Lord. He, that sense of him dying for the gospel. And who was there looking in and helping and encouraging people to stone him? Paul, the one who wrote those famous books, the book of Romans, great book. You must go and read chapter 8. Thank you for bringing it alive to us. It's a great chapter. Stephen died for his faith. I remember when I had my heart attack about five months ago, and I had pain in my chest, pain in my arm, pain up my neck. I knew what it was. And all I could think of, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then suddenly there was a beautiful peace. I was felt in so much and filled around me with love. It was just momentarily. And there was no pain. It was beautiful. So I said again, thank you, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as clearly as anything I had, not today, Ralph. <laughs> I was back in my pain. <laughs> God's got a good Jewish sense of humor, don't you think so? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but through those times, we come closer to God and then praise. Let me say something important. All the preaching, all the praise came out of the Old Testament. All the praise they had were praise from the Psalms. I was brought up with wonderful Psalms. If 
Is it at all possible to play Hodul under Nike at all? Just to give you a flavor of the sort of things they probably would have prayed. It was based on Psalm 118, 136. It's in many of the Psalms. And essentially it says, Give thanks to Adonai, for he is tov, he is perfectly good. His chesed, our faithful love, is forever. I want to encourage you to go and read Psalm 118. And whoever reads it, come and tell me which bit Jesus quotes, because he quotes from that psalm. Let's listen for a moment or two. Can we hear the words? Remember, that's what I used to sing as a child. wanted to give you a flavor of how they would have worshipped and sung to the Lord and claimed him that he's good and that his love is perfect and it's forever. Where does it come from? The Old Testament, the Psalms. They would have sung those Psalms and the preaching would also have come, when they say preaching from the scripture, would have been from the Old Testament scripture because guess what? None of this was written till afterwards. So, Finally, and you'll have to excuse me there, I put the P in the middle. There's expansion, explosion, there's growth. It grew, and how did it grow? The wonderful preaching of Peter? No. Was it the wonderful partaking of friends and fellowship? No. Was it their prayer life? No. Was it... The fact that they, they were being persecuted even after Jesus was killed, they were still persecuted by the synagogue? No. We are told it was God who added to the numbers. It's God who grows the church. Yes, we need all those peas, the earlier peas, to be part of the church, to be an integral part of our church. But it's God who grows the church. And the challenge for us is to say, am I full of the Holy Spirit, overflowing all around me to my friends, to my neighbors, to everyone I meet? And if you have never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, today's your chance. 